Hi Goran, welcome back. Hi Adam. Is it Adam Bean like good like uh, like a Bian? Like how do you say that? Mm-hmm. Or Adam Bean? It should be actually Bian, I think, Bion. because I find out that uh, that uh, roots are somewhere in in France. But uh, everyone says Bean and always was Bean, but uh, it could be Bian, and I actually don't care. Um, <laughs> I was in, in, in France, then uh, in, in a workshop, then I, of course, said I'm Bion. Everyone liked that. <laughs> and in Germany is Bean. So and, and, of course, you know, there's the Englishman Mr. Bean, which also is funny. So, um, so I'm actually... And I told you maybe this already. Uh, back then, I delivered some Sun courses, Sun Microsystems about Enterprise Java Beans, and no one could... No one believed that uh, my name is actually Bean. So, um, yeah, it's all, all good stuff for marketing, I would say. Um, good. Now, uh, to summarize, you are, I think, the third time here. And uh, the problem yes. is uh, we always have a nice chat without any structure. And uh, the, the last episode was actually highly welcome on Twitter, which uh, which is nice. I mean, um, uh, we had just a random chat about Java, serverless, and future. And uh, to summarize, uh, is you attended once the AX TV uh, AX Live workshop in Munich, and yes. uh, I told you uh, something about simplicity, and you believe me. And then you wrote a Java E application with your team with transactions, and this you tried to migrate it to Hetzner, which also works well. Then you migrated once again on AWS, and then you locked down, or you maybe you know <laughs> you you performed the the largest. Uh, the the largest uh, uh, how to call it transaction yeah, yeah. the largest working. transaction in the history of AWS <laughs> and 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 then um, and then you um, uh, you had uh, then some I became insights. AWS hero you know so they because I was complaining about that why was why did that happen and then you know when, when you your first reaction with with with, the, with these cloud providers is that oh this is not good. They made a mistake. There, there's something really bad about these these guys. Something like so. You, you, you f- your first reaction is that something is on their side, and then as you go deeper, 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 then you you really start to understand what's going on in the cloud. It's it's completely different place. It's not your local data center. So, you know, the truth is somewhere in between, and uh, it's a shared responsibility. You know, so you have to understand the cloud better. Uh, and then uh, uh, they need to understand maybe some open source technologies better. So, you know, but the whole transition that we talked about from from uh, Java EE to some cloud resources, it's 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 not not easy. You know, you have to really think uh, in, in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. I I was like in the last two episodes, I didn't really like prepare anything like before. I was just jumping into, but yeah. you know, after the second episode, I was like. Because you said okay, let's meet again, I was actually thinking about you know like, what's the what's the what are what things are important for our listeners and uh, and uh, you know uh, in this transition be- between Java EE and and, uh, and and what we have now in the cloud. So I recently uh, tried uh, some technology uh, called uh, uh, long running actions in uh, in uh, <laughs> micro profile. It's uh, actually implementation of uh, a saga pattern, you know, like to for for listeners, like a saga pattern is a is a way to fix the problem in the cloud where there is no distributed transactions. So if something goes wrong, you need to compensate. If you, you have to go back, so you you always have to uh, you always need two actions: one to go forward and one to go back. You know, if something happens, and uh, it's it's a it's a good thing, you know, it's. Uh, it's a solution for some problems mm-hmm. because in in, uh, uh, in the cloud, you know, there, there, are, there are many uh, there are many APIs, many many different servers, there are many different instances that you have to call. So, if you want to really be consistent in the end, you need to delete something or or go back, you know. But it's not the only solution. So what what struck me like when I was I really enjoyed that. The, uh, the the possibility to have something something some kind of a framework that will help to to, to do this you know in Java EE mm-hmm. and then I saw that they have a some some kind of a step function core they they have no look uh, open uh, micro profile introduced some something like a coordinator server 
for this mm-hmm. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So all the all the servers playing this game need some kind of coordinator server to uh, to whom you send your uh, 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 your idea about the transaction. Oh, I'm going to do this. So you get the number, and then you go forward, and then you send the number. Okay, this is my transaction. And if something goes back, the coordinator should call these mm-hmm. uh, services and go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I was disappointed again, you know. Because in but the what cloud, you mentioned right now, this was the key problem of two-phase commit. Yeah. Yes, there yes. was the application server. Um, I don't know if you remember. You had, I think, yes, experience yes. with Whitefly. It was Aryuna, what they bought. And what this thing did, it remembered locally what happened. What the problem was is distributed transactions. You call the first database, and uh, this is like uh, uh, begin, then prepare for commit, and you have to remember what you did. You get the, trans- uh, uh, the, the, the transaction ID back, and then you go to the second database, do the same. What can happen is, you know, that uh, the, uh, the transaction coordinator breaks. So, and if it restarts, it has to remember what happened. Otherwise, you get deadlock for, for ages. Yes. So, um, and uh, with the Zaga pattern, it's no difference. It's actually a distributed transaction coordinator, if you think about this. Yeah, but the, the, the thing that you have one server, which is coordinating mm-hmm. other servers, that's something that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work in, in cloud, you know. Mm-hmm. You always need to get out of that that paradigm that you ha- you need one central server to to do something you know mm-hmm. so uh, uh when when you think about the cloud you should think about no servers like no especially no coordinated servers no no nothing that will uh, have the idea of all the processes all transactions anything you know so th- th- there should be no one point of failure but also like no no central uh, uh, knowledge, you know, about the, the whole system, you know, so something like that. So uh, I was thinking, like, uh, uh, how to how do you replace this in the cloud? And uh, it's important for for people to understand that even we don't want uh, uh, to have central coordinators, we still need some places where we will guarantee that something will not happen twice, you know. So so people like even if it's even in the cloud you need to find some some places where you can do some synchronized stuff you know like or so the the way developers do that in in, in AWS is to have a, a, a one table in DynamoDB where which will control the duplicates in some mm-hmm. in some places you know like even if you uh, so even if you try to do distributed things you know you still need some places where you will have a guarantee that something will happen only once or you will where you will keep the information you know but at least in AWS that place that Dy- that DynamoDB table or something like is is something which is already distributed and and, and AWS is is thinking about that it's still not one server you know so uh uh, uh this table actually is, right? Because the consistent hash is one partition of the DynamoDB. So it is a kind of a one server, which is distributed. But this particular case, if we have the locking table, I think because of the keys, it will remind on this the entire trick in one server. Yeah, um, it, it, and, it will, you know, but it's still distributed. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, it, it guarantees that you won't be able to save two instances of the same key in, in one table, you know, it's still mm-hmm. distributed. You can call it from different places and you don't have to care about the servers and stuff like that. So, you know, even if we don't want coordinators, we still need some coordinators, you know, we, and uh, if we want to achieve in the potency, if you want to guarantee mm-hmm. that something is saved or not saved, you still need some place to keep that information. But please don't, don't do that by, by making one server that will coordinate all these things, you know. So in, in AWS, DynamoDB table proved to be a perfect place to do that. And uh, it, what Why? proves because that... Why? Because it's transactional, right? Because uh, DynamoDB actually supports real transactions. Uh, not, 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 not really about that. It's, uh, uh, you, can, uh, you can have uh, 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 your write operation can mm-hmm. be conditional. Okay? Mm-hmm. So can I insert a record... I will insert a record only if there is no such a record in that mm-hmm. table. Okay, so mm-hmm. it, it it guarantees that only one will succeed. Okay, mm-hmm. so that simple operation allows uh, you to uh, do some in the potency checks. You know, mm-hmm. and if you're using uh, 
uh, I really suggest everyone to check. There is a uh, there's a library called uh, Power Tools for Java, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, in, in in AWS, for Lambdas especially, and uh, uh, there is a, a, a recent uh, re- release about um, about that where they actually implemented that for you, so you can easily add in the potency checks in your application. Okay, mm-hmm. so in in cloud, uh, you should. Get rid of like, that that idea of having a distributed transaction and move to a more like a relaxed <laughs> space where you can do stuff and then fix them. You know, uh, you can maybe fix them by doing rollback using Saga pattern of some kind, okay? Or you can let it go and then uh, have some inconsistent state in the database. Some event, but it. it you can you can uh, uh, handle that situation like uh, okay uh, i don't have uh, uh, maybe you should just have a, a smart queries that uh, queries that will just detect that the thing that is saved in the database is not consistent so you will ignore it you know so anyway uh, you have to move to a more relaxed uh, uh, space and but the thing that you cannot Accept in your application, uh, and especially in enterprise applications, is you cannot do some things. Some of the things you cannot do twice. Okay, so you cannot yeah. charge twice. You cannot, uh, you know, and uh, uh, the way you achieve that, you need a single place where you can check that. So that yeah. that the perfect one <laughs> was actually the Dynamo DB table. Uh, you know, so yeah. that, that that's the interesting a good thing part to- of that. AWS Lambda Power Tools is yes. that the item potency check, uh, how this implemented is interesting. So what are they doing? The, this is a kind of an AOP. They are intercepting the uh, Java Lambda calls. And then you can either specify, specify a key, which is this would be the key you know where they are looking, or uh, if you don't do this, uh, they, will, uh, they will calculate the hash of the payload of the parameter. So and if the and, and then they use the hash key as the um, or the hash value as the key so um, if you get the same parameter twice with the same values you get uh, you know the same key twice and they will notice that because it already appears in DynamoDB and they will ignore the second call which is which is really nice yes, yes. and uh, and you you said you know the conditional which reminds me we had this in JPA for years it was called optimistic locks so what you could do is you say okay I'm only writing to database in case it's in the state and if it's not in the state, uh, then you got optimistic lock exceptions. And what we did with it is um, we could have a locking without database locking. You know, this is uh, without deadlocks. Yeah. This is what you experienced. But if you would use that at AWS, you wouldn't be a data hero right now. So, uh, so, <laughs> so good luck for you. You know, uh, good for you. But um, and um, the problem with this, of course, is if you have lots of uh, or not the problem. The, uh, the, the fact is what we have in, in the cloud right now, we had on-premise for years. Uh, for instance, the uh, item potency. So if you have a Whitefly application server, WebLogic back then, and uh, very early, uh, EGBs were remote. And if they were remote, there were so-called smart proxies. And you could set up the item potency on the proxy level because if exception happened, then the proxy decided should uh, redo this or not. So there was like uh, automatic, automatic you know, uh, reply, and this only happened in case it was important. Other, otherwise, you could get dup- duplicates. Also, JPA was always the case that uh, you could use um, um, how to call it uh, synchronous locks or um, um, there was the optimistic locks and pessimistic locks, the synchronous pessimistic locks, which of course could lead to deadlocks, which already happened uh, in production. So. Uh, we had to use optimistic locks. The problem with optimistic locks is that they can fail and then you need some kind of retry mechanism, which can be very expensive. And the problem with the clouds, or not problem, the fact is um, it is even harder because on premise, we only had one availability zone, not even a region. And in the cloud, you have the same problem in multiple availability zones and even multiple regions. So it is really a lot harder to have one singleton, which is, you know, completely distributed. And I think the only thing which actually an an AWS is like this, or one of the few things, one would be S3, which is not exactly transactional. Uh, It is transactional, but only, you know, if you write new stuff. 
or DynamoDB, which is also distributed. If you look at Kinesis and all the others, they are just original resources. So it's not that easy to have a global lock. But the, the interesting part is, again, if you are a Java E developer, you had the problems you know, 20 years ago. You only have to remember how, how we solve <laughs> that and what to do yeah. with them in the cloud. And you mentioned the long-running transactions uh, uh, or long-running uh, long, uh, actions, LRA actions, yes. from Microprofit. Microprofit. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, what uh, this reminds me strongly, what I would use is uh, step functions. Yeah. So the step function on AWS is like a state machine uh, and uh, you don't have to use everything, but at least, you know, retries um, are actually nice and error handling. This is, you can say, in case this doesn't work, I call Lambda from outside. This is like already your the server but it's, but it's maintained by AWS. How they maintain it, I don't care. So it runs, you know, the, the state is in central place and it will call the first Lambda. And if it doesn't work, you can say, if this doesn't work, call this one. So yes, I would use yes, this yes. instead, for instance, right? Yeah, so of course, of course. So why I mentioned this is that uh, the even if sometimes you you have a feeling that things are happening synchronously in, in, in AWS, they're actually not, always uh, synchronous you know like for example aws lambdas if you call lambda function from api gateway or any mm-hmm. other source you don't actually uh, uh, direct the, the 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 server web server call to some another server which has these functions you actually put all these requests into a queue mm-hmm. and then there is a polar that, that that pulls puller that pulls all these things from the queue and invokes these functions. So it's actually possible for your request to be called twice. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's co- coming from through REST API, uh, sorry, gateway API gateway going to your Lambda function, it still goes asynchronously. You know, into mm-hmm. this system and it can be called twice. You know, so you need to take care, even if you, you know have a feeling that it's a web server call, it's actually not, you know, it's just happening so quick, you know, that, that you don't really realize that it's asynchronous, but it's actually asynchronous in a, in, in, in a queue and it can, it can be called twice, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, any action with Lambda can be called twice. So people mm-hmm. should be aware of that and start, uh, 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 you know, if it's something which is mission critical, then, you should have these controls in place, in the potency controls, you know. So, and some things, and you, you know, it's as you know, some things are not easy to fix. You know, if you send an email, or if you send the email twice or a thousand times, you cannot just re- you cannot revoke them. You know, you cannot if you, yes, you can uh, uh, revoke some charge on the credit card. You know, but that's not something that happens automatically and st- stuff like that. So. There's always something which is like uh, uh, going out of the system, and then uh, you don't have a, a way to 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 to, to revoke that. So, uh, in in every step, you should think about in the potency, you know. And sometimes, you know, if if you see that you can fix it later by a smart query stuff, something, let it go. Okay, let and always think about uh, uh, if this thing uh, 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 executes twice. Would it have any? Would it cause any problems in the system? You know, so uh, having stuff like conditional write in, in Dynamo, and of course you can do that in MySQL or Postgres stuff. So uh, you have unique unique uh, constraints on tables and, and, and similar things. So you should always uh, use that to control the, the the double invocation of a function. That that's something that that will help you. Uh, 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 remove this uh, the, the, the whole concept of distributed transaction XA. So that that's something that is absolutely necessary in the cloud, you know. And uh, uh, or you can uh, use you mentioned the REST lambdas. You could use you know the HTTP correctly. So if you say get is item important, uh, post is not item important. So you have to be careful here. But put is item important again because with the same key I would insert the first time and update the second time. So I would have an absurd for instance, right, with the put. And delete doesn't matter if I delete tw- uh, stuff twice. So um, if you uh, ha- be more careful how you design your REST APIs, they are idempotent except post. And even post could be idempotent because what you can uh, return to the client is like, you know, the next ID and then use it again. So, um, th- yeah, but this, is, this was actually, this is nothing new. 
But the if you have a distributed application, highly distributed application, which is usually in the cloud and multi-region or whatever, the chances are higher that it happens. So this is this is the only difference I would say to before. Yeah, and and also the like the the the, the well, the problem is that uh, uh, you have to understand that when we put all these requests for lambdas uh, mm-hmm. into a giant queue, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, that queue keeps all the requests. And it also has limits. You know, mm-hmm. it's a tokenized system where you get, uh, by default, thousand requests, thousand invocations per second. Okay, mm-hmm. so you have to, if you have more than that, and you can easily get into <laughs> more, into more executions. Like you need to ask for more. You know, it's just, yeah. by default you won't get more than that. You know, but it's a, it's a giant queue, so you have to think about. One that question also. about that: mm-hmm. Have you yeah. recently opened an AWS account recently? Yeah, okay. yeah, I did. Because my impression is, uh, my account is older, and I I have also a limit of thousand. But yes. uh, it seems like if someone created a fresh account recently, they have concurrent execution of fifty. So it seems like the new accounts, really uh, complete new accounts in AWS, are more restricted than the old ones. Because um, mm. I, I never had the restrictions. I never had to know to increase them. For me, it was always like you know. Um, uh, I think the um, AWS organizations like 50 accounts and concurrent invocation 1,000, but the newer account is not like that. There's like you know the uh, t- limit of 10 for organizations and I think 50 of concurrent invocations. And I already had an error because I couldn't deploy the uh, CDK app in the new account. It was uh, on my client, and uh, and so I never saw the error. Like uh, what I wanted to have. Yeah, but is... but maybe if if the account is not verified, you know, there's there's some there's maybe some something like this of, interesting. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, was yeah. also, but um, my account is so old, and even all our sub sub accounts are also you no. Know, they always yeah. come with the one thousand limit, and I thought it's the default, yes, yes. but seems like not to be. Right. Well, the first time you register, you get some. They, they need to go through some process of verifying your account, like credit card stuff like that. Maybe and even is, after right. a month, you can you can you can still be in some state where your code bill, for example, yeah. cannot run. <laughs> Which is, that's mm-hmm. crazy, you know. I, I mean that that the, the billing start the billing part is one of the the uh, the most criticized part of uh, uh, AWS, like uh, because you know should be easy to jump in, you know. Should be easy to control your uh, your expenses. Should be easy to control. Like if I don't have any any more money, just stop stop billing me. Stop stop all the services and and there are no there's no way to control all these things. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, they need to improve. Like what what others are doing is 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 is, is better in, in that way. You know, but on the other side, you know. They assume that we don't. We know what we are doing. You know, we're smart, yeah. smart people. <laughs> so that's it. But but still, you're right. There is there are some issues when you create a new account, and uh, if you see some lim- limits, like you cannot run the code build or or whatever, just call the support. And, and again, the problem is with the support that if you don't pay for uh, for support, like hundred dollars a month, which is a minimum for paid support. You you will get responsible in a couple of days, you know. So that's not something that <laughs> that that's good, you know. If if you if you're starting, but uh, if you're serious, pay hundred dollars and then you get a response in an hour. So it it, it pays off. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. No, I just noticed that because uh, yeah. it happened once to my client that they opened a fresh account. And some attendees of the AX Live workshops also had the same issue. It seems like mm. uh, the, the 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 newer accounts have uh, are more strict about the limits than the older one. And maybe as we, I don't know how old use AWS account. I might think 2010 or something like this. At yes. the beginning, there were less complaints about the billing, and maybe some people now become angry because they tried something out, out and it was too expensive for them, and they they lowered the limits. This is what uh, what. Well, you know, to... like uh, it, it's good. the good thing about AWS is that if you start complaining, you may you may get something. You know, like. Uh, for example, you, you become you, uh, a data hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. But I'm saying that, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, two three months ago, we 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 actually deployed a couple of uh, provision concurrency functions, which means that uh, my lambda is always running and is always there for for me mm-hmm. to call it. You know, mm-hmm. so and that things costs more. And uh, the problem is that we actually <laughs> we picked the, the biggest possible lambda in, in uh, Docker lambda of ten gigs, you know. So we end up with a with a bill, which is like four hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. 
just for for a couple of three lambdas or something, just staying there, not doing anything. You know, <laughs> that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you can you can call that you can you but can what, call support and ask. Uh, what I say, uh, if you have provision concurrency, what could happen yeah. is that at the end it is uh, cheaper because you are paying less for invocation. You did the math? Well, <laughs> it, it can be you know cheaper. If you have provision concurrency okay. and the lambdas are running, um, then if you call them within the provision concurrency, you're paying less per invocation. So if the lambdas are executed a lot, you could could okay. actually save money with provision concurrency. Yeah, m- maybe you know it just it, it depends on what just you try do. It. Like, just say yeah. maybe yeah, in yeah, your yeah. case, okay. uh, you know, whether you pay five hundred euros up front, and then at the end you know two hundred euros more or eight hundred euros in the entire time. So this is this could yeah. be the difference. Uh, the the good thing about you know. <laughs> If you need some speed, then then it's then it's okay. Like the first first response, mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. be to be really quick, then then it's fine, you know. But uh, if if you talk about billing, it's not actually that that big thing uh, because for if you use languages like Java and uh, TypeScript and uh, sorry JavaScript and something, and deploy Lambda functions, then uh, when you call Lambda, you have one uh, you have several steps for it to start. Okay. The first one is like a, a it's, it's called cold start, and mm-hmm. uh, during that that first phase where the the, the whole all Java classes are being loaded and uh, the where you for example establish your connection to the database stuff like that, you actually get that part of the invocation for free mm-hmm. from AWS. You don't mm-hmm. pay for that, okay? Mm-hmm. So you pay only for the execution part. Mm-hmm. So all the static initialization, all things that happened be- before they called the, the your uh, uh, request handler, it's free. Mm-hmm. If you can complete it in ten seconds, okay. If you can, if you if you don't complete it in ten seconds, they mm-hmm. restart the lambda, but this time they charge you, mm-hmm. okay. And it can run more than ten seconds. So that's, it's a it's a it's a good thing actually because. Uh, uh, if if we had to if we had to pay for all the uh, uh, cold start time Java has you know it we may end up we may be charged more than others mm-hmm. you know so that that's mm-hmm. that's really fair because <laughs> what happens when 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 the Java lambdas start start they actually faster than any other uh, yeah. uh, environment that's super cool that that's something I'm really proud of about Java but but you know you you get them you, you get the cold start for free. It is a mm-hmm. bit higher, okay, but it's free. So in terms of like, so you're price, running lambdas behind the load balancer, right? Out as well. Uh, well, in, in, in tot- many different uh, because environments, yeah. there's a nice little hack with load balancer. Yeah. What you can also do with load balancer, uh, you can ship your lambda with uh, micro profile health enabled. Yeah. And what I do sometimes, I use the load balancer to have a health check on the lambda. And the load balancer pulls the lambda. So you get yeah. for one lambda, you know, if it happens every, I don't know, you have to, to, to play a little bit with it every 30 seconds, you pay basically nothing because it's like a low volume. And your lambda, one lambda is always warm. So at least one one start is faster, you know. You can, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can do that, you know, but... Um... <laughs> There's always a problem of second of second call. Yeah, yeah. That, sure, that sure. Parallel calls. So. But uh, for development, it's great. And what I also yeah. do for development, I usually use uh, always uh, provision concurrency because mm-hmm. it runs on AWS. I don't have to wait. It's like crazy fast. So I save time and, okay, you pay 10, 10 euros a month or whatever, but it is worth because you, you, you save uh, a lot of time and uh, yeah, you get a high performance. Yes. Lambda. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, and recently, Lambda's got uh, Lambda uh, function environment got uh, became even richer. You know, like the the building a, the building this whole environment in a way that now you can have uh, uh, ten gigabyte of storage for ephemeral mm-hmm. storage. You know, so like mm-hmm. what could happen in the future is that uh, the whole uh, code build and other uh, Code build is a parallel to Jenkins for 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 listeners. Uh, is that they they should be able to start the code the code build uh, process CI/CD process like in a in a 
in a in a millisecond and run it really fast and then and and then kill it you know so that's something that's that's probably going to happen soon you know because this is going in that direction because lambda <laughs> lambda functions in docker are so impressive you know like 10 gigabytes in a, starting in a couple of seconds it, that's that's really impressive yeah and there's so, a, i think they have uh you you mentioned the ephemeral store but they have i think 10 gigs of ram as well and yes, six CPUs yes. now, not four, right? They <laughs> yeah, increased yes. to six. Yeah, it was yeah, four before. So. Now there are six yeah, uh, yeah. CPUs. So, so it's, it's it's really becoming the 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 way they should they they they. I cannot say it for them, you know, but you can actually do the whole build of uh, uh, in a uh, in, in in Lambda. You don't really need any any EC2 instances or something like. You don't need servers to do that, you know. So I assume that uh, by you know. The first lambdas had many more limitations. Like, like the only limitation that is relevant now is is maybe this fifteen minutes execution time. You know, so that's something that that, that people need to. Uh, the only thing that that really bothers me sometimes. You know, if something needs to run for more than fifteen minutes, they it won't run. You know, so that that's a limitation. What, so what bothers but me? The rest is fine. In lambda, is mm -hmm. that they not use Java properly? So what it means is. <laughs> You know the AWS Power Tool project, for instance. What they have, okay. they have one annotation called idempotency. So you can annotate method with the annotation, and then they have uh, this method is not invoked twice with the same parameter. So this is how mm -hmm. the idempotency works in AWS Lambda Power Tools. What I'm asking myself is, at idempotency, they implement it in the AWS Lambda Power Tools with AOP. So what are they doing? They have a bytecode processor. And the yeah. bytecode processor, you know, uh, checks the annotations. But in my opinion, this has to be the part of the Lambda. So the integral part of Java is at inject. So at inject is not about microprofile. It was actually introduced by the Spring guys and adopted by Java, microprofile, Maven, Eclipse, everyone uses mm -hmm. at inject. A very simple one. You know, forgot about profiles or whatever. What I would like to see in Lambda is at inject and whatever they store in the context, at eject secret, at eject, you know, uh, S3 client, at inject DynamoDB client. What I don't like to do all the time is, you know, DynamoDB client dot create dot whatever. This is like, you know, Java from uh, 1950s, you know. This is, uh, uh, we don't do it anymore. And then, then if you do this, the entire Lambda runtime environment would be even more flexible because what they could do behind the scenes, they could replace, you know, the implementation with whatever they like. Right now, you have always write the same code, and um, and you could of course do it by yourself or use Quarkus, but um, I mean for asynchronous lambdas, wh why to use Quarkus if you get it out of the box? So uh, right now, if I have asynchronous lambdas, I don't use neither Quarkus nor Micronode. Mm -hmm. I just use plain Java what we did. But the only thing what I don't like, you know, they're, they're called like S3 client equals S3 builder, and what you mm -hmm. always get. You get the arrow, arrow, you have multiple uh, clients in your class pass, choose one. Then you have to use the URL connection client or Apache client or whatever client you have. And if you think about this, logger, Lambda logger, system out logger, everything should be injectable. Whatever is in the Lambda context, it will be very easy injectable. And uh, this is what I don't like. I had already a chat with uh, a few people at, at AWS. And and, uh, and the problem is, you know, they try to, have, to keep all the languages unified. But... Uh, I don't care whether you know Python has injection or not. I would like to have one, and uh, and it is really sad that uh, something like AWS Lambda Power Tools have to implement injection on top of already existing Lambda, right? So what AWS should do sh just use modern Java for Lambda implementation. What I see now is that they are a bit conservative, you know, when I, in in, yeah. in doing th things like that. And uh, for example, the the last discussion that I had uh, was about like. Should they, for example, if we already know that Java, that Lambda is running uh, for a short time, you know, and we already know what kind of uh, environment that is, so why don't we set by default some uh, environment variables for Java execution that will uh, handle like the the way the compiler uh, mm -hmm. runs, you know, and. Uh, uh, they actually didn't do that. They what they did is that they allowed you now to add to set environment variables for Java execution, but they didn't set it for uh, as a default. Yeah. You know. But the thing is, like in ninety nine percent, the 
the life of that lambda would be really short, you know. Yeah. So they just want to be sure that everything works, you know, and uh, for everyone, you know. And and in terms of what you said, uh, I would say that they still need to maintain some kind of a. All languages should have this almost same uh, way of execution, you know. Yeah. And uh, but if you really want something advanced, maybe you should choose between micro uh, micronaut or quarkus yeah. or something you know so, so but anyway I'm, some of the things i already solved in quarkus like uh, injecting uh, yeah, but uh, secrets and blah 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 that's something that is completely normal there but i don't like but to rely on quarkus guy you know to implement uh, amazon stuff so uh, yeah, i like yeah. quarkus right but but uh, yes, yes, just yes. saying and uh, if you look at dynamodb it's not the case because in dynamodb they have api mm-hmm. which looks like jpa and such an uh, API is impossible to implement with JavaScript. So they are not consistent. Yes, you know? If they yes, say it should right. be the same for all languages, so why why they uh, they, they implement you know DynamoDB mapper for Java? And well, I'm not saying they should replace the common stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say it should be possible to inject stuff with at inject in Java, because even Maven, if you implement a Maven plugin, is also at inject available. If you have Eclipse plugin at inject, so at inject is nothing you know about uh, microprofile anymore. It is available in all runtimes. And also what you said with the settings with JVM, it is confusing for Java developers because in one part you hear you, you hear everywhere, you know how they call it, undifferentiated heavy lifting, right? So in Java, we have the ergonomics. So for years, and now in Lambda, I have to care about my low-level Java stuff again. So um, it is uh, sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, what what is actually uh, covered by AWS and what I'm responsible for. And in the shared responsibility model, my expectation is as much convenient as possible. You know, it should be better okay. than in Java E. And and this is, and this would be, and, and the sad story is, it is extremely easy to fix. It's not like you know they need uh, years of research. I would say to do it in in you know a proof of concept way. I think dependency injection lambda level could be done in half a day. Of course, not at that scale, yeah. but just that it works is not not yeah. not a problem at all. And I saw many of my clients already doing this. Uh, some's doing, you know, with Dagger, with Quarkus, with all crazy own implementations because dependency injection is a part of Java ecosystems for 10 years or more, more, 15 yeah, years yeah. Uh, at least, right? But, but you see, with, with all this Quarkus and Micronaut stuff, like the, the, the whole concepts are changing. So we, maybe if you look at it from the, from the perspective of AWS, they started with, with Lambda like a couple of years ago. And they are looking at it, and they were not ready really for 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 native Java and 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 this whole whole thing, you know, because you still can't use some of the things that they deliver with uh, uh, with GraalVM, you know, so, some they're not really there. But it's mm-hmm. it's a, they already have some kind of a legacy, you know, so it's hard for them to to do some really big changes, I would say, and uh, uh, so they they're not. For example, they have uh, this new HTTP client. Wait a second. Uh, the dependency yeah. injection for Java I'm talking right now is JSR three thirty. It was released in two thousand nine. <laughs> okay. So okay. this is no excuses. So th- this is on, on, and, and this is actually, okay. and these are three annotations, and, and the next th- the next thing what I would expect is post construct, just a simple post construct. You know, if con- post construct, so we can say okay, what well, this is this is the two two things, and um, and um, and this is not like it should be the only thing. They could just do nothing, and if there is an annotations, recognize it. This is not like I'm saying everything has to be injectable yeah. only. Mm-hmm. You could still this is like an EGBs. You can write EGB and still use you know ignore the dependency injection completely and just use your own Java JDK one one stuff. But um, this is what has, in my eyes, has to happen, and uh, and uh, and and it should because relying on frameworks. I, I mean. If you think about the shared responsibility model, right? What okay. issues you get with Quarkus or whatever. So you will have to rely on Red Hat or Quarkus guys in order to patch all the AWS libraries internally. So I took a look already, you know, if you if you just use AWS SDK, it is newer than in Quarkus inside has to be. I mean, Quarkus, you know, yeah. AWS moves faster and you will have to think about patching Quarkus in order to get the recent AWS SDK behind the scenes. I don't like to, to, to care about dependencies. So my idea, as you, you know me already, dependency less. I don't care about your dependencies. I would like just to fully focus on business logic. So I would expect that add inject is a part of the uh, SDK from uh, from uh, from Lambda. So you just, you know, this is just uh, it, uh, how to call it, it's provided dependency. 
And I would just rely on the entire SDK from AWS for asynchronous Lambda. And Quarkus, I would like to use for specific reasons. If I would like to use JPA, I don't know, a specific maybe JDBC connection pool or whatever, then I use Quarkus, but I don't like to use Quarkus in order to have better AWC, uh, AWS experience out of the box. You know what I mean? So Quarkus yeah, is not yeah. job of Quarkus to fix AWS. Uh, well, it's obviously a job for, of, of Quarkus to fix a lot, you know, because what they did is they yeah, changed. Sure. The, so maybe just the, the, maybe if if you are if you look at from the perspective of AWS team, maybe you would just look around and see what 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 the hell is going on. All these yeah, changes sure, yeah, in sure. Java in the last. This couple is why of we're years. doing the podcast. They will listen yes. to the podcast and fix it. No, yes, um. yes. <laughs> but but look, uh, the, the the there are many. You know, there is a lot of work. Whatever they, you know, whatever you think about, there is always a problem, and then something sure. has to be improved. Uh, for example, now they're improving the whole events class, uh, the, 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 yeah. uh, classes that that represent events in, in in Java. It's it's still like a, you know. There's a discussion of how did how would they how how should they implement it? You know, you were complaining about Lombok. I saw, I saw that. So there's always com- someone complaining uh, about how what's the style of this library. What, but the problem is some of these things don't work. So let's talk about style later. You know, first we need they still have some work. You know, to do for some of the things to 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 be really really. You know, Java is there, but you know. For some things, you still need to do some things manually. So they have some priorities and, and uh, other. For example, they didn't re- release Java 17 uh, support for Lambda. So uh, mm-hmm. yet, so you know, there's all, all, obviously a lot of things going on. You know, the, the what we we are you, you and I we're talking about serverless and Lambdas. You know, and but Java is used as a most of most of the AWS is done in Java. You know, so it's a lot. It's, it's, yeah, it's, but it's I'm so just talking things. about Lambda right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that and, uh, and, and coordinating maybe all these things. I'm not criticizing in order to, you know, to to say, okay, I'm, why are you not doing this? They already done it in AWS Lambda Power Tools. This is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. yes so yes, the, okay. the ideas yeah. what they got in AWS uh, Lambda Power Tools, which are part of AWS project, should become a part of the Lambda. This is what I'm saying. So this is like... Um, you know, web components back then in the front end. So there was a project from Google uh, where they, uh, Polymer projects, where the idea was it becomes leaner and leaner because in one part, it be- everything becomes a web component and, and the project will die because there is nothing else to do. And um, and this is my idea of AWS Lambda Power Tools. Some core principles like, you know, annotation support should be supported by Lambda. And this part can move out from of Lambda Power Tools. We don't need AOP anymore. We can just use the dependency injection. This is what I'm talking about. It's not like mm. they have it already. So this, this is this is yeah. the idea. And, and my and my feedback to the to the uh, uh, lambda events is if I would implement such an internal library at scale, right? So my priority would be no dependencies because I would like to control whatever possible. This this is the gist of my feedback. And they use Lombok and Yoda time, which is nice. But I would say. Uh, yeah. If I were in the charge of uh, the developer, I would even re-implement some stuff in order to be in charge of everything, right? Because I'm really afraid of uh, the external dependencies. I think for them, it is easier to implement this uh, from scratch than review yeah. the external dependency for errors. This was my feedback. Yeah, it's just a couple of functions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah this really, is like, yeah. no, this is not a big deal. And um, and and I think it's great because... Uh, but uh, I. I my point is the message of undifferentiated uh, heavy lifting and shared responsibility model is not consistent. So I expect something different. I would say uh, I don't like you know to care about the law. However, Lambda sets you know the Coretto is a is a part of is actually job of the Coretto team. I will rely on them mm-hmm. of the expertise, and I would like to focus on business, right? Yeah. And, and well, maybe well, we have to, to to talk about this because I think. The expectation is different from them. They maybe think, you know, the Java developers would like to control everything, which could be true. But usually, if what I do first, I, I don't have any, you know, uh, uh, the um, the garbage collector settings in Java, no minus X, nothing, and see how it works. If it's fast enough, I ignore it completely. So, okay, passed, yeah. right? I had, I had an idea about completely removing garbage collector. So, for example, if Lambda runs for a couple of minutes, yeah. you know, it's... 
So why don't you just run it and kill it, you know, and then start another one? If if garbage collector is stopping you or, or, or sorry, uh, slowing you down in any way, just if it's like a short-lived environment, yeah. what would happen if we just like don't have a garbage collector and just, yeah. just leave data there and just kill it? Uh, like, for example, uh, uh, I wanted to set up a function that will, that would run only once. Yeah. You know, it's possible. It's, it's sorry. It's almost possible. Okay, you can uh, get out of the function by a system exit one, and the, the, it would actually uh, fail and then start again, and then in the next attempt you don't you you again leave it and it will kill the environment. It's like EGP, so, you know, back then. If you throw through exception, it was re restarted exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you you can actually kill the the entire environment. So the environment environment can be really dirty. Okay. Yeah. And it, it will kill itself. So wh why I wanted to do this is because I was running uh, uh, Eclipse Beard rep reports in it, yeah. and it's a mess. You know, once you run one report, and it's it leaves so many dirty things in the memory and disk and blah. So you just want to kill it, you know, and then run again. So you clean mm -hmm. a completely clean environment. So would there be any benefits of, of not having a garbage collector in such an environment at all? You know, so just run it. But you could set it, it up. It. You could you can have a zero garbage collector, this <laughs> official way in Java, and yeah, then yeah, uh, yeah. it is a part of JDK, so it should be supported yeah, yeah, by yeah. Coretto. I never tried it, actually, in Coretto, but uh, it is available. You could actually yeah, set yeah, it up. Yeah. And do you remember the story about the missile years ago? No, sir. So they found out there was a, no, a missile, and the software had bug and, and, and memory bug. Mm -hmm. And they said it doesn't matter because this missile flies, I don't know, uh, half an hour, and this is enough memory to deal with the with the memory <laughs> yes, leak. And exactly. if it hits the target, you know, no one cares uh, whether it was memory leaks or without. Exactly. And this that's is the same. this is exactly what you have you yeah, with your with your lambda. Mm -hmm. You know. So one of the things that we, when we talked about this, we just, we just mentioned events in in Java, uh, and uh, and the, 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 there's a library Java events for, for for lambda that has all possible events. That come as a JSON, and then you have you, have, you can deserialize them using Java. So the the one of the problems that people have with 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 moving to to AWS is that you know there's a these events you know you need to know them, you need to understand them, you know, mm -hmm. and then all these events are just for Lambda because mm -hmm. Lambda can be invoked in many different ways, you know. So but when you start it in the container like a Fargate container. You know, mm -hmm. then it's just an just a regular server. Mm -hmm. So what I'm missing is that, okay, if I have a beard report that I want to run for more than 15 minutes, mm -hmm. look, I would really like to have the same invocation way like a uh, uh, that I have with Lambda. So I can say, well, look, this SQS will call will call Fargate instance. It will start run and then die okay so i can choose will it run in lambda environment with 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 its restrictions or with a fargate with its restrictions but you know you cannot use the same events you know for for different executions like oh uh, for your own ec2 or something so you need to make your uh, uh you know you, ha you have to program it differently yes you know yeah, so what you could do, you could uh, have a Lambda, which uh, with the, let's say, I don't know, S3 or SQS event, more realistically, and receives that and invokes and Fargate, not a ta not a service, rather than just a task with the uh, information. Yeah, but it will and need then, to, you know, it, it's, it has to, uh, it, it should be running already. You know, that's, that's the yeah. only problem, you know. So I would like to start Fargate instance from from zero and then wait for a couple of seconds to for it to start like 30 seconds as a service not a task service so it runs all yeah, the time yeah. right run mm -hmm. and then die when it's when it ends you no know? and also like uh, uh the maybe for 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 the audience like uh, the, so there's some restrictions with lambda which are important you can mm -hmm. only run one thread at a time mm -hmm. with lambda you, mm -hmm. you cannot run two things at the same time in in same lambda function you, so you it, can use your thread pool, but not request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay. The, every single request starts another instance of Lambda. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so you cannot you cannot control that. That's that's a re, that's a mm -hmm. requirement of the system. Mm -hmm. But different cloud providers do different things. If you do that in Microsoft, you could actually have more executions of the same Lambda at the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
more requests can come into Lambda and, and run at the same time. So, yeah, is it good or bad? <laughs> I like how AWS makes it clean, you know. I really like it, you know. But sometimes when you spend a couple of seconds to initiate that Lambda, and why would you waste another couple of seconds to start another one, to start another one? You know, maybe we could get some gains by parallelizing it, you know. And what if I can start Fargate and have parallel requests coming into it, just like I do with Lambda? So I can have uh, my Java EE environment having like five parallel requests coming into, into it. So I would really like these things to be more flexible, you know, so people coming into this world need to understand that these events are not the same. You need to map it in a different way. So that, that's a bit hard, you know. So you cannot just switch all these technologies. You need to think about which one. So what I do is I, I use Quarkus for, to build the same code that I run with Lambdas or with mm -hmm. uh, or running in container as a task. So, yes. yeah, so it's the same code like the mm -hmm. same business logic, but mm -hmm. just different uh, different entry points into the into these functions. You know? So, and then you can deploy the same thing into two different environments and run it run it there. You know, but still, this um, mapping and and sourcing event event mapping is it's it's a, it's a bit bit uh, it's a bit difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, what I think what uh, what could help you what what I would do in this particular case use event bridge for both. Because uh, Lambda, Lambda listens to schedule events, I think it's a type of the event event bridge, and uh, I think you can invoke Fargate with the same uh, uh, event as well, um, and uh, and uh, um, you could you can, um, you can you can you can you yeah. Know. So the 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 there the are many ways to 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 dispatch. But event bridge is the hub. I think event bridge could yeah. solve your problem because the event bridge you can you can have a routing and you can even route you know to to uh, to to multiple buses and um, and then you need in lambda just one type of event, this schedule event and a target as well. And uh, my impression is that um, event bridge getting more and more attention is more and more popular yes. inside uh, AWS and it's easier to deal with. And recently, it even um, they have um, like a global endpoint, so it is highly available. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which is also interesting. And um, yeah, maybe you should investigate EventBridge because uh, this yeah. could be really yeah. interesting, right? For I, I think that EventBridge is is the real big bus that we always wait wanted. You know, so it's a it's a good thing. It's a, uh, but the, the only thing is that most of our applications are still like a front front base that we need to. Yeah, uh, think more in a way that we should change them. You know, did you know there is a thing called uh, synchronous step step functions that you can uh, yeah synchronously synchronous call them. And the other you get, one is like fast. It, uh, not yes. synchronous. It's synchronous is something like uh, not. It, fast. it has a fast execution. You know, like yeah, fast can, execution exactly. You, yeah. you can get like a response very very fast. You know, so <laughs> there, this, there is a shift. You know, you need to. We need to switch more to asynchronous stuff than than uh, uh, what we had uh, with our on-premise systems with all these uh, uh, REST APIs and stuff. Is that we were stuck with a with a with a really uh, tight system of uh, REST endpoints, you know? Because we bring... didn't have any events. So the main difference is. Yes. I ignored the event-driven architectures. You attended the AHEX. Someone asked me, no event-driven architectures. My answer was, forget about it. I'm absolutely not interested in emitting yes. events first and then listen to them. It's just crazy. Yes. And uh, But the difference in the cloud, everything emits already the events. So we only have to listen to them. So this is a huge difference. Also, the, the main difference between on-premise and clouds is in clouds, SQS, SNS, you know, EventBridge, uh, EC2, even code build and code pipeline and code commit, they are already emitting events. And with Lambda, you can listen to them. So event-driven architecture is just out of the box possible. You, what you only have to yes. do is to deploy a Lambda and have a source mapping uh, between uh, the Lambda and the event. So in, in, in AWS, like when, when you move uh, move to, to it, it's, it's more about the shift to 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 event driven architecture than than every than anything else you know yeah. so here you can 
here <laughs> so here it's, it's not I, i'm in my house and i i, I live on premise but i'm i'm, I'm saying uh, in, in aws like everything is event driven so uh once you start uh, uh thinking in 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 that way you will start emitting by uh, also more events so for for example in that event event bridge bus you can really emit anything what biz, any any business events any any steps in your processes and blah blah so you you would push more events mm-hmm. than than in your like a regular java e system you know so mm-hmm. so the only problem is that if you you can publish more than you need you like you can publish millions of messages and then maybe yeah sure <laughs> read a there should be cross grain business events which make sense you know like yeah, in yeah, your case yeah, yes, you know yes. report is done with the results comes event bridge and someone else listens to it and then of course you could even use the aws power tools what they do they they from sqs they offload the payload to s3 for instance so you could use such tricks or not it really depends on the size of the Oh, result of a report is not huge, yes. right? In your case, it's so, like so. What I realized is that uh, one of the m- missing pieces in this game that people mm-hmm. maybe maybe should think about is that it's it's a it's a GraphQL, it's mm-hmm. app sync. Mm-hmm. So if you do event driven, if you if you make event driven architecture for your system, and you push some events, and if you are waiting on the on the on the front end side for something to happen, you know. You should wait for something that will come through web sockets, you know, or, mm-hmm. or some exactly. some mechanism like that. So the the way to do that is GraphQL, you know. Mm-hmm. So once your uh, component in some backend system finishes its job, or it just wants to uh, uh, emit like a state uh, of the of the process, it it should emit that to to emit that to to this thing app sync, which yes. is GraphQL actually. And then you would get you can subscribe to these events and, and get it back. So AWS has this entire architecture for you to move your uh, 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 strict REST APIs like and, and move that to to async. And you should embrace that as soon as possible. Once you do that, you will get uh, more freedom. Like you will uh, feel less limitations. You know, mm-hmm. for for example, if you if you are worried, like, uh, oh, I can, uh, I can push only a six megabytes uh, uh, as a re- uh, as a request payload for Lambda, and uh, in my Java E server I could upload anything, you know, <laughs> I, could, I could push whatever I like, you know. So, if you are worried about some of these restrictions, you know, yeah, you have to think about how AWS does. You don't you don't deploy to your you don't upload anything to your server. You upload to S three. Once the, exactly. you upload the file to S3, it will emit an event. Event will uh, you can you can say okay, push information that this is uploaded to my uh, GraphQL, and it will inform the server, the, the 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 browser back. You know, so the whole thing has to be a more a bit more complicated, but it will actually get you to the point where you have no limits, which means like if you can have five terabytes. Yeah, uh, size you, you said five, uh, you said complicated, and it actually is simple if you think about this. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to upload something to S3, there are millions of clients already built in. If you would like to use Java E to upload something, you need multi-part upload and you have to do implement it by yourself. So you will have, you know, yeah. to to have a Jaxos endpoint which listens to the stream and writes the stream somewhere. Not else. only that, you need to accept five terabyte size file. Yeah, and then take that file and and, and upload it to to another to yeah. to S3. So it's yeah. it's a maybe you can stream it in a way. You know, like maybe multi parts. Yeah, but still, upload, you have blah, to do blah, it. But still. but if you d- upload it to S3, you can reuse a lots of stuff. So th- this is almost done. And then you have to write a Lambda, which uh, which uh, receives an S3 event. And it's S3 event, you will see the key and the and the bucket. And then with another call, it's like 20 lines of code at most, you have the content. Yeah. So it is in this particular yeah. case, it's yeah. simpler, but you have it, to... It is simple, yeah. But the good thing is... Once you upload the the, the file to, uh, to to S3 bucket, you can emit an event to event yeah. bridge bus, and then on event bridge bus, you can call a function yeah. to do something with the file, and then better, also yeah. inform the front end or send an email or blah blah blah. So, event bridge is there to connect all the services. That's a so you see uh, we introduced a couple of services here that. That you need to to embrace event driven architecture. It's a it's step functions. It's upsync yep. GraphQL. It's a uh, it's event bridge like a like a big bus. You know, so these are all components that 
we kind of <laughs> we had in Java EE, you know, but it's just now moved to the cloud, and that that yeah. that's the whole idea of our talk, you know. So if if you do that with the with AWS CDK framework, you can actually build these things in Java and then deploy them. Exactly. So that's a, that's that, well in that in that uh, if you do that that way, then it's not that complicated. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree. Perfect. I agree. We are on time. We are a little bit structured. Uh, oh, next yeah, time we time. should be unstructured again, just to have yeah, a random yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. We promised to talk about databases, and uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, that that's my specialty in, in AWS, and uh, uh, there's really you know, some you know, some really good innovations in in the last couple of months in in, in that in that AWS. So yeah, I look. I'm so then next time, double, uh, double base, double base, double <laughs> database, <laughs> database news from Goran uh, on yes. on AXFM. Okay, nice. Uh, people can find you on Stack. What I what I what I learned. Yeah, yeah. This is but mostly um, on mostly on Twitter. You know that that company. Yeah, that's just a company. But uh, what what's Twitter your, is my place. What's your handle? Uh, Goran Opacic. Goran G O R A N O P A C I C. Yeah, perfect. Simple. So uh, I would say, hear you next time. See you. Adam. Bye. Bion. <laughs> Bion, exactly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>